0: This is the Village Church Q&A Podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who
1: will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A Podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And listeners, before we get to our question for the day... Let's just talk a little bit, Michael, you and I, about 100 episodes. Listeners, thank you for making it possible. For all of those who've put up with our short or long answers to these <laughs> questions, we are so grateful that you have joined us and have endured 100 episodes with us. If you're new to us, thanks for jumping in anywhere during this journey. We're glad you're here. So let's just talk about 100 episodes. Yeah,
0: we. you know, when we— uh came up with this idea. Um, I think I, honestly we don't know any other pastors other than John Piper who do Q <laughs> and A podcasts. and it's not easy, you it know is not. it takes a little bit of time, but you know this platform to invade people's digital lives with disciple making content and then to have people respond so positively, oh to the point where we have so many questions that we can't even get to them all, but we will. (laughs) So we will will do our best. And, uh, so I, just just think personally, um, it has been so much fun. And, uh, my gratitude is through the roof because, you know, as a, as a teacher, I, God word through this has done so much work in me. It's equipped me to be a better pastor, be a better leader, a better teacher. And, um, and uh, honestly, we have made connections with more people than we ever really right. imagined through this. So, um, you know, we have listeners in, at least as far as I know, Florida and Kentucky and mm-hmm. Michigan and California. And we've heard from a whole bunch of different states, which is kind of cool. You know, it's just yeah. to think that God would give us that platform to be able to communicate like that. And uh, so I'm just I'm I'm grateful. And then I've got to know you, Tim, on a whole nother <laughs> level. Just love it. I actually had a guy, uh, a love family doing this with you, <coughs> Yeah, a family come up to me and it's my brother and they live in Michigan. And so they drove up here last week and they listened to all of the podcasts on the way up. Wow. And, uh, they said, we cannot wait to meet pastor Steve. And I said, who's pastor Steve? <laughs> I mean, pastor Tim. And, uh, they, they loved your radio voice. So they, they think that you should host a radio program because you have an awesome radio voice. I,
1: I have a radio face.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I said radio voice. Oh goodness. But, been way too much fun and then dan looters in the in the in the booth behind us is uh he's a machine and
1: he's the one that make us makes us sound so well oh yeah
0: he takes the whininess out of my voice gives it some bass and uh but really grateful for dan and uh just what his, a servant yep love you dan and oh, uh we do love you you'll hear dan in a few episodes do some intros and outros and uh but he is the man who makes all this possible spends many hours a week
1: making it real Yes. Michael, I want you to dismantle and just explain to our listeners, you have, a, you have a value about our teaching. You have a slogan that we often will say on this podcast, but I'm not sure we've ever really deciphered that. You say that you want our teaching to be... Digital. What does that mean, digital?
0: Well, we want to invade people's smartphones. And their computers and anywhere where they're ac- accessing digital technology, because let's just let's be straight for a moment, um, it's filled with so much crap, mm-hmm. right? If your kids are listening, I'm sorry if that's a bad word, but it's just filled with junk. And, and the future of discipleship, and I hope any pastor listening to this just gets this: it is it is necessary if we will make disciples, we must invade the digital space.
1: It just takes so long to put something in print, but in digital format, oh. we can get it out there almost instantaneously.
0: Instantaneously. And you don't have to be sitting on a toilet to read it. You can listen to it <laughs> anywhere you go. I mean, it's so transferable. You can give it away to your friends. You can listen as a group. And and uh, so much more of the personality also gets communicated. So now you don't just hear the words. You hear tone and personality and right. spirit. And and uh, so digital is just, uh, if we don't invade this medium. We are failing as a church. And my desire is to inspire all my pastor buddies to figure out how do you do this? I don't care if it's high quality or low quality. You put digital content that is disciple making in as many people's hands as possible. And then we say, number two, it needs to be shareable. It needs to be something that whatever format you're accessing it in, you can give it away. and It needs to be helpful. The people who hear it need to say that was actually good for me. And I think it would be good for my friend so that I give it away. And if we can make digital, shareable, helpful content, I think we enter into disciple-making space that is uncharted territory That's right. for almost every church I know. What most churches do is we take our sermons and we put it out there and then we cross our fingers and hope that it connects with somebody. And even that is a medium that we are already talking about. How do we mm-hmm. repackage our sermons into digestible content um, that is helpful, digital, shareable? So those are some of our passions here.
1: Great. All right, Pastor Michael, let's get to our question for the 100th episode. All right. Ready? I'm ready. Is it okay for a Christian to be a Democrat? Aren't all Republicans Christians? (laughs) And aren't all Christians Republicans? Oh, thanks for the 100th episode
0: question. (laughs) (laughs) I know who this came from. And, uh, you know, my buddies love to try to trap me. It's great. You know, this is just welcome to village church. They're always trying to catch me on one. So, but you know, I'm not one to shy away from hard questions. So not I've, at all. I, I've just got a couple simple things to say to frame this. Cause we've already spent 30 minutes talking about other stuff. So vote God's values. Right. Um, so you, you got to ask the question, what is God's heart most passionate about mm-hmm. now? As I say that, Depending on your calling and your spiritual gift and your personality and your temperament, you may say the poor, and and don't get me wrong, the poor are on God's heart. That's that right. is valuable. You need to you need to know God's heart for the poor, and take that into serious consideration when you vote. Period. Mm-hmm. Some of you might say God's heart is um, the church proclaiming the gospel and the church should not be hindered. And anybody who wants to hinder free speech is hindering God's agenda um, in the American church. And so we need to vote for people who are pro free speech. And let me tell you, the proclamation of the gospel is close to God's heart. He Mm. loves it. Um, Somebody might say the family is close to God's heart and we need to vote for those who are pro a biblical family. And, I'll tell you, there are two things in scripture that if you mess with these in the New Testament, particularly, you will anger God. Number one is marriage. Mm-hmm. And number two is sexuality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Hebrew says that fornicators and adulterers will be judged. Anybody who messes with the marriage bed you really make God mad. First Thess- Thessalonians four, three through eight says that speaking to Christians, by the way, um, that when one Christian is sexually immoral with another Christian, they basically um, uh, enact on themselves the vengeance of God. Like God gets really upset. So
1: definitely serious about. That. Oh yeah.
0: So like family and sexuality, so close to the heart of God. I mm-hmm. mean, just they incite him to deep emotion. Um, God hates divorce, you know? So like you got to ask, Mm -hmm. um, what does this person feel about family? Here's, here's one life from beginning to end. If you don't know when it begins, then don't you dare touch it. If you don't know without a shadow of a doubt, when life begins or when life ends, Mm -hmm. if you don't know that, you know, that, you know, with 100% certainty that an embryo is not a living human being endowed with a soul by God, you don't dare mess with the image of God, you know? And so I want to ask questions like that, you know, like, um, who is going to protect and preserve the most helpless of lives, okay? And let me let me tell you, a pregnant woman is not as helpless as an embryo. Mm. And I have much compassion for people with unplanned pregnancies. I have walked people through that. But let me tell you that there is no one more helpless than an embryo in the womb of a mother. That's right because that is one of the most unprotected and unsafe places on planet earth right now where hundreds of millions of them are dying so some of you may say okay michael you're just a platform for the republican party as you say that and i I really don't think that's the case i mean statistically speaking the majority of Evangelical Christians are Republicans, um, and the vast majority of Democrats are not evangelical Christians. That's not like debatable. You don't need to get upset about it. It's just statistical fact. So it just is what happens. But the reason it leans toward that is because the parties are getting so polarizing over the last fifteen years, really the last ten years, have just been become so polarized that if we were answering this question fifteen years ago, um, I honestly the the emphasis might be a little bit different. okay? So like when Barack Obama became president, this discussion might have looked a little bit different, but you know, that's seven years ago mm-hmm. and lots has happened in this country of the last seven years for better and for worse. And, and so um, what we need to understand here is that because the parties have become so diametrically opposed, um, they have taken complete opposite positions on all of these main issues And so, when I look at the issues that are the closest to God—care for the poor, the family, marriage, sexuality, um, life—these are issues that each party and platform has taken enormous stances on. So, um, I I, I do see from the Republican and Democrat side, you know, this issue of social justice and the poor, and that if you're a a democrat because you're a christian typically this is the issue typically Mm -hmm. not always this is the issue that pushes you there because democrats are are for the government caring for the poor forget about my stance as a republican or a democrat or as an independent let me just tell you something very simply um I don't believe the Republicans or the Democrats should have even in the first place taken responsibility for caring for the poor first and foremost. Not
1: their business. It it's is the, the church. church's
0: business to care for the poor. Well, the church doesn't do that anymore because the government started taking right. it over. Or maybe the government took it over because the church did a terrible job. Mm. Uh, chicken or the egg. I don't I don't technically know what happened first, and there, but here's what I do know. It's hard for me to say I'm going to vote for a platform because they take care of poor people better when – my whole fundamental worldview is that the people of God are to be a bright, shining light who take care of the poor in amazing ways. But let's be honest: the church it has done an incredible job because hospitals, education, mm-hmm. right, all of these orphanages, right, they have emerged primarily out of out of the Church of Jesus Christ, not of Latter Day Saints, just the Church of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, for me, it's been hard to think about whether or not the parties. Stances on the most helpless of society should motivate me. I'm just being transparent. Um, but on the other hand, um, our system and our culture is built on a worldview, on a uh, yeah, just a trajectory that if the government doesn't do it, then their needs are going to go unmet. So right now we're in that world. Mm-hmm. And so I, I definitely sympathize um, significantly with um, whatever party is going to not enable the poor, but raise the poor out of poverty and give them a chance for thriving and prosperity in America, okay? In America, we can have that discussion. Yes, I struggle whether or not Republicans or Democrats do that better. Um, it I, I don't disagree personally that the Democrats have better immediate policies. But I also don't see long term solutions, and I see a lot of enablement, not everywhere, not mm-hmm. all the time, but often. And I've yet to meet a Republican who's like, you know, forget the poor. You know, like we hate the poor. No, the, generally Republicans believe that a better – that their approach to economy will lift the poor out of poverty quicker and more long-term. I'm not an economist. I'm just telling you that personally I struggle with that stuff. But here's where my, my concerns grow. The Republican Party and the Democratic Party have taken diametrically opposed positions on the sanctity of life. Mm-hmm. By and large, and not in total, but by and large, Democrats are pro-choice and Republicans are pro-life. But you know what? There are Democrats who are pro-life. That's right. And uh, it depends on where you're at in the in the country. Right. And
1: there's Republicans that are pro-choice. Totally.
0: So, like, this is why some of you you're expecting me to go down a pro-Republican path. What I'm just saying is, I'm not so quick to label someone as a Democrat because of whatever the positions they hold, or because you're a Democrat, you hold all these positions. I'm just saying that. By and large, these are trajectories. When you get to the sanctity of life, by and large, Republicans are pro-life. When you get to gay marriage, by and large, the Republican Party has taken a stance, a more conservative stance on the family, marriage, gender, mm-hmm. um, sexuality, that's probably up in the air in terms of what the moral standards are. But um, So as I look at all that, you can be a Democrat and you can be a Christian. That's not my issue. Here's my issue. Is the person I'm voting for upholding the values that God has? So here's what we know. You can be a Democrat, and 15 Democrats can believe 15 different things. Sure, be a Democrat and be a Christian. But can you vote for anybody, Republican or Democrat, who believes that little children inside the wombs of their mother are not human beings made in the image of God and that mothers at free will can execute their children? just going to let that sit for a minute. Like what ethic is driving that? Yes. So I know God is passionate about marriage. And I know that God's word really clearly and simply defines marriage. So like, if I know God is passionate about that, I might be a Democrat and pro-God's version of marriage. Mm-hmm. But wh- if the person I'm voting for holds a different view on that, can I vote for that? So forget about can I be a, a Christian and a Democrat? Yes. Can I be a Christian and an independent? Yes. Can I be a Christian and a, and a Republican? Yes. Can I hate Jesus and be a Republican? Yes. Mm-hmm. Can I hate Jesus and be an independent and a Democrat? Yes. yes. Wrong question. Right question is, what is close to the heart of God? And despite my party affiliation, who, what candidate's heart is closest to the heart of God? That's the question. Because whether or not America agrees with the heart of God— The heart of God is always best for the thriving and the flourishing of humanity. So I'm not at all necessarily interested in saying, well, America wants this. Well, I want what God says is best. Now, I know that the candidate I vote for probably may not win. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not in control of the outcomes. I am in control of voting my conscience. I'm I'm in control of trying with whatever sphere of influence that I have to push forward the kingdom of God through this medium. Some people will say, "I'm out of politics. It's a lose-lose, whatever." You know. Well, if every single Christian vote, voted the heart of God to the best of their ability—never perfectly, because no candidate perfectly mm-hmm. captures the heart of God—but if every Christian voted the heart of God to the best of their ability, things would actually look probably a little bit different. But then again, mm-hmm. if every non-Christian did the same thing,
1: <laughs> this goes both ways, right? <laughs> That's so, right.
0: So I don't know if I was if I was uh, politically correct in this um, podcast trying to be transparent. Be
1: transparent, Michael.
0: And uh, so, Michael, who are you going to vote for? I'm going to vote for the person who, whatever party affiliation I personally have, is closest to the heart of God on a number of issues. Even if I don't agree with everything they say, I might get two out of five, but two out of five is better than zero out of five or one out of five.
1: Thank you, listeners, for joining us today on our 100th episode. And thank you, Pastor Michael, for that transparent answer. Listeners, please don't forget, you can submit your questions to our podcast by going to our church website, vcob.org, and just click on the link that says Q&A Podcast Question. Please join us next time when we answer the question, how do you know if or when it's okay with God to give up your spousal commitment or your promise to God until death do you part.